Welcome to Coffee and Tea with SNL. Everything you love about your favorite coffee shop, all wrapped up in a podcast. I'm Lisa, and I'm passionate about tea, travel, good food, and great conversations, and anything that makes me grow. I'm Sabine, and I create spaces that people enjoy. I'm also a wife, mother of two, a coffee lover, and enjoy a great scented candle. We're two great friends committed to living our best lives and seeing others live theirs. Welcome to Coffee and Tea. Bonjour, Lisa. Hola, Sabine. Taking this international intro. Yes, so global. We're so international. <laughs> How are you? What's going on? What are you learning and what are you up to? Life is going well. I'm learning a lot just about my own self and my ability to keep things going. You know, we all started the new year with 2020, Explain. vision, all that kind of stuff. And I'm realizing that the popular quote that goes, the dream is free, the hustle is sold separately. Mm, that's deep. Is very true. It is true. Um, anyone can be a dreamer, but very few people are successful. And I'm reminded of why, I think, on a daily basis. Because it is just, it's hard to keep putting one step in front of the other or one foot in front of the other rather when you are tired and you haven't slept and you had a hard day at work or whatever the case may be. So I think I'm just being reminded on a daily basis that I've got to be the one running my life and not the circumstances of my life or my emotions. Like I can't have anything else running me. I've got to run my life. So I think that's one of the big things I'm wrestling with and learning in a new way this year. Also, in, with the whole concept of being in charge, I am reminded of being reminded that I am in charge of my body as well. Like I get to tell it what it eats and when it works out and when it sleeps. And because when, when I'm on top of that, it makes such a difference to my emotions, my productivity. So basic lessons, if you will, but really learning that I don't get to check out and that this is something I've got to do. So this is something I have to do rigorously to make a difference. Hmm, so true. Um, so do you feel like you've lost your, you were excited in January. Do you feel like you lost your, some of your zeal or some of that um, goal setting and? No, I haven't lost it, but it definitely feels harder. I was talking to a good friend the other day and she was lamenting the same thing. Like, wait, it just doesn't, we don't feel quite as excited as, excited, as we did. You were really excited at the beginning of the year. You were like ready to go. And I still am. And I realize why everyone falls off the wagon on the third week of January. I'm excited. Because <laughs> it's February just, and right. March and April. And I need to live in a place that's sunny all year long, but that's another conversation entirely. But there's just something about, yeah, it's really easy to be excited the first three weeks of January and then the rubber hits the road and you realize, do I really care about this? Do I have yeah, the discipline really, to take this? I feel like it tests how much you want you it. really want something. <laughs> yes. It's so true. Yes, it's being yeah. tested every second of every minute right now. But it's good because I think what I'm seeing too is just the, okay, but if you keep working, if you keep writing, if you keep whatever it is your goal is, if you just keep taking the action – the motivation will follow. So it's not, it's not about sitting. So I think in January we all had that motivation with kind of without doing anything. And now it's about how are you keeping yourself motivated by your actions? So it's good. And, um, and it's work. It is work. So that's where I am. I, what is going on with you? So I feel like right now, um, where I am in life, um, life, I'm just taking a new perspective on life. As you know, you know, we lost a very famous person, Kobe Bryant. Yep. And I'm usually not one to um, really be in celebrities' lives, and but I just can't stop thinking about what happened to him mm -hmm. and how his family's affected, like to the point where I'm like stalking social media yeah. like on Instagram. I, I feel have like so many of us have taken so that much really time hard. just on social media and looking at his last pictures and looking at his profile. Yeah. 
Um, what was, you know, some of the last posts that he had written? Mm. Who did he inspire? Who's writing about him? What did they have to say? What was their relationship with him? Like all of these things that honestly, I hadn't really been following Kobe Bryant for years. Yeah. Like I think after he won the Oscar, I think that was really the last time I, and I saw an interview, he was on Jimmy Kimmel and that was a couple years back. So mm. I haven't really been you know, following him. And, but I feel like this loss just reminded me of how precious life is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just made me so much grateful, you know, like the people that I'm around telling them, I love you. Yeah. Like ending conversations with like, if I haven't told you, I love you. Right. I love you because I am here to I'm here today, but like, who knows yeah. if I'll be here tomorrow? Yeah. You know, and we know this, like we know that our life has an end. But I mean, I think when something like this happens to certain people, it shakes at us 41, out of our like slumber. When you think you have your whole life ahead of you, you just you don't know. You don't know. So it just kind of has. I don't know. It's been it's just been something that I've that's been on my heart is just to kind of appreciate life. And to let those around me know how much they mean to me. Yeah. So. I totally get that. I, w I was very surprised at how hard I was taking it. Because I'm not yeah, really a Kobe fan. Um, I didn't dislike Kobe, but I wasn't a Kobe fan. I'm clearly being a Philadelphian. He's ours. You know, he grew up in Lower Marion. And right. is a huge Eagles fan. And, is, you know, is from here. Um, even though he lived in a couple of other places. I think. Yeah, I was I was shocked by how hard I've been taking it. And um, and of course, I've done the same thing where I feel like I'm obsessing over all the things that he did. And there's just so much good that he was doing that I had no idea about. Um, so that part has been inspiring, but then just depressing because you think, oh, my goodness, like he got, he did all this right. while being in the NBA yeah. or he did all this since he retired, you know, how many years ago in 2016, I guess. But what more could he have done? Yeah. You know? So I think that's been just really sad. And uh, a friend of mine posted something on Instagram where she talked about, she was kind of like, Oh, you know, I've never seen black men this collectively hurt um, ever. And I, and that I thought was well said. She said it way more eloquently, but the whole idea of like, yeah, it just, I think the world is hurting, but I think it is really particularly hard to see. Like, I feel like black men are taking this really, really hard. Like, they are. A, I mean, my husband yeah. was the one that broke the news to me. He's like, did you hear about Kobe? What? What about Kobe? Why are you bringing Kobe up? This is so random. Yeah. And I could not believe it. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, pretty it's almost like how sad. I felt about Nipsey Hussle passing last year. I didn't follow his music. I didn't even know who I he was. I didn't know who I didn't know who he was either until after he passed. And I'm reading about and like, him. He's amazing. And yeah. Yes. And all <laughs> of the things that he did and for his community and how. Yeah. It was just I mean, his life was so inspiring. Yeah. Um, and then when you think of someone that's like as a parent, like, you know, and they're leaving their daughter kids and then even dying with like his arguably uh, the daughter yeah. he was closest to and it just was it's just you know hard yeah it's been very hard so it sudden I've deaths in general, in general have that weight of like i do not wish sudden deaths on anybody because i think they are always the hardest to kind of wrap your brain around so it is yeah it it definitely makes you it makes you question it makes you um grateful um but yes, so I've yeah. been thinking about that. That's what I've been going through. Uh, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's just made me think a lot um, and appreciate the time that I had while I'm here. Yeah. So. Well said. But on a lighter note, <laughs> yes, we are interviewing Jalisa Ann today, um, who is a fellow podcaster that we met at Podcast Movement. And a financial guru. Yes. So I'm really excited. Yeah, she's great. She's really sweet. So I Full of wisdom, yep. very gentle and sweet, and just a powerhouse all rolled into one. So she's amazing. So I can't wait for what she has to share with us. Indeed. So Jalisa, we usually start our show by asking what's in our cup. So what are you drinking where you are? So today I just have some water <laughs> this morning, but I have to shout out what I had in my cup 
yesterday um, because okay. I went to this amazing coffee shop in Dallas called Toasted. Um, and it was the most amazing French toast cappuccino I've ever had. It's delicious. I've never even heard of a French toast cappuccino. So toast flavored cappuccino? Flavored cappuccino. I never even heard of it either. (laughs) But I thought, oh my goodness, this has to be good. So give me that. Oh, wow. So are all their drinks, do they have a toasted, like what's a toasted have to do with the rest of the coffee shop? I guess what's the... Well, you know, it's it's a coffee shop. They have food there, like like real food, not like a like a chicken sandwich. Um, like, yes, my one of my friends who's an entrepreneur, she actually recommended that we work there yesterday. And she's like, oh, girl, you got to get the steak and eggs. And I'm like, steak and eggs right. at a coffee <laughs> shop. <laughs> coffee shop right? Oh, my God. The steak and eggs were so good. It had like a chimichurri sauce on the top of it. And it came with like a hash brown with like peppers and onions and it's not your average coffee shop. Oh, they serve alcohol there too. Wow. So they have like beer and wine. And so if you're going later in the day, you can have that type of drink. I like it. I like it. So it's open late or does it close at like the typical six, seven o'clock? No, I think they're open late. I mean, we went in the morning cause we were doing like daytime mm-hmm. working, but I think that they're one of those places like probably a lot of college students go there late at night to study. So mm-hmm. toasted, toasted, right? Yes. Toasted is the name of it. It's just, I can't think of what neighborhood that is north of downtown. Okay. It's near downtown. Okay. <laughs> toasted. Very cool. Lisa, what's in your cup? So, so I'm having a tea that I got in um, New York at this tea atelier place with 200 teas, but this one is called Ashram Afternoon. So it's an herbal tea, and I'm just going to read their description because I can't remember it offhand. So it says it's an herbal infusion of Krishna Tulsi, verbena, rose petals, jasmine blossom, cardamom, star anise, mint, and citrus. Mm. So it's doing a lot of yummy herbal things called from afternoon. That so it's kind of delicious. I know. She always goes extra when she's describing her teas. <laughs> <laughs> It's like there's a there's a paragraph about the tea. <laughs> um, and I am having I actually made my own coffee this morning. Um and I've been kind of into beans now. I never buy like coffee grounded anymore. Um because I feel like the flavor is so much better when I ground it at home. So when I grind it at home. So I have an organic breakfast blend, medium roast with Half and half. It's funny. I have half and half and I have evaporated milk. I guess the evaporated milk is like my Haitian side. (laughs) Um, But it's nice. It has like a nice mellow, um, slightly sweet flavor. So that's what's in my cup. Yum. That sounds good too. Thank you so much for joining us, Jalisa. We're so excited to interview you for the podcast. We've been fangirls since we met at podcast movement and um just loved attending your session interrupted interruption notwithstanding um it was so great to meet you and connect with you afterwards and you just you are just your your warmth your love for people your desire to empower people is just inspiring to both of us honestly so we had been kind of chomping at the bit to get you on our podcast so thank you for making the time to be with us today. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. I was so encouraged by your follow-up email too. I'm like, she she followed up and it has a video. Yes. And she says, hi, Lisa and Sabine. <laughs> it's so encouraging. And then it was like less than a week of um, after Orlando at the podcast oh. movement. So... Yeah, I try to send personalized, like, you know, great meeting you, discuss what we talked about, like, especially when you just want to make genuine connection, like, not like, hey, I didn't ever expect for you guys to invite me on your podcast or anything. But it was just like, hey, it's great meeting you guys. Like, let's stay in contact. Let's support each other. Yes, you feel like a uh, you feel like a long distance girlfriend. Hey, I am. In in (laughs) Dallas, Texas. And I will definitely take and take advantage of this properly going forward. I will take advantage of this connection for reals. 
I feel like you're, A, you're just a great kind of friend and support and mentor. Like you're just that kind of person that you love being a resource to others. And I love that. And I want to be more that way in my life. So you'll be hearing more from us offline. Sure. Absolutely. I would love that. Absolutely love that. But um, so for the interest of the people who are listening, how would you describe, how would you introduce yourself? Well, my name is Jaleesa Ann, for those of you who do not know me, and I I guess I wear many hats. So I'm a wife, I'm a mother, um, I'm a podcaster, I'm an entrepreneur, <laughs> um, I'm a corporate employee. I have so many different titles, but more than anything, I think that I am just a regular girl from Texas trying to live out her purpose and change the world one day at a time. I love that. I love that. Um, The one thing that on your podcast and even meeting you in person and attending your class at Podcast Movement, you share a lot about your faith and we're women of faith as well. Um, You talk about building wealth God's way, which I love. How did you come to that conviction and how did you maintain a healthy focus without getting caught up um, in greed, really? Well, um, I would say that it's been a journey because I, I grew up in the church. Um, there was a family that kind of adopted my mom after her parent, after her mother passed away and they were pastors. So I grew up in the church. My faith has always been somewhat of my foundation, but just like a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I know, I had my whole backsliding season when I went off to college and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do my own thing (laughs) without the church and without God. And I felt like in every area of my life, not just financially, I really slept, slipped into a dark place, like a place where I just wasn't happy. I wasn't happy with my relationships. I wasn't happy with um, my money situation. I tell this story a lot. I was deeply in debt. I was working a really good job, making really good money, but I was living paycheck to paycheck. I went to work one day on a Wednesday And I specifically remember it being Wednesday because we never had meetings on Wednesday and they called a meeting. And so I went to this meeting and they were basically like, you know, don't come back to work tomorrow. It it really happened that fast. And they were like, you guys can come back on Friday. We'll help you file for unemployment. But we're kind of like closing this operation indefinitely, immediately. (laughs) Um, And I was heartbroken. I was like, I don't. I don't know what to do. I'm um, single. I don't have anyone else to support me. My mom at that time was going through her own financial drama. So I like couldn't go home. I didn't have a home really to go to. So um, I think the only person I could turn to was God. And I think at that point I started getting back into my faith And in the beginning of starting my business, I didn't talk a lot about my faith. I talked a lot about how I had, I had pulled myself out of this financial hole, right? I had done it and I had got all this knowledge and I was taking on that. I, I was the person that did it all. And I think that God convicted me about that, especially a couple of years ago. Like, listen, you didn't do this on your own. (laughs) And if you want to continue to live like you did this on your own, you know, like I can exit this little party right here. We'll see how this goes. And I felt that. And I just felt like, you know, I needed to kind of surrender to my own ego and get back to the core of like what I was supposed to be doing. So yeah, long story, but that's how that happened. That's a great story. I was actually going to ask you about that because I was reading about, about you on Instagram, one of your posts where you had written about, you know, kind of the ups and downs of your life, if you will, some of which you just shared about, you know, you graduated school, you had debt, you didn't know how you were going to make your payments on your student loans, I guess, after you got laid off. So, sorry, let me rewind. Graduated from college, felt lost and in debt, not clear about what to do. Mm -hmm. Got a job, as you said, a great job. Then you got laid off from that job and you were anxious about making student loan payments. Mm -hmm. Not to be a victim, you pulled yourself up, you know, 
you paid off debt, created multiple streams of income, as you just described, and then, you know, you got married, found the love of your life, started your business, lost your passion for your business to some degree, and then God called you to help other people become financially free. So I, I was going to actually ask, like, was there a time when God was not such a big part of your business and what changed to make, to make you tie it back into God? Yeah. In the beginning, I mean, I was doing my own thing, right? I was following my own path. I was, I think it was really at the, I don't know if it was at the beginning, but it's kind of when I got wind of it, like this whole like boss chick movement on like social media and like everybody's going to be a boss and, you know, you got to build this million dollar business and, you know, you got to do all these things. And it's like, I got caught up in that, like searching for something that, not saying that I don't believe that I was destined to have a a multi-million dollar business or that I'm destined to be successful because I do believe that God wants that for me, but not so I can show out on Instagram, you know, not so I can flex and run in certain circles, not so that I can, you know, rub elbows with certain people and say I'm friends with this person and that person. Like, and I think he convicted my heart. Like, listen, (laughs) um, if you think that this is what it's about, you're in for a rude awakening. And that was a hard transition for me to go through because I not saying that it was all about me, but I was making it all about me. And I know that my purpose does not, it's not surrounded by me. It can't be all about me. It has to be about the bigger picture and about the people and the women whose lives I'm actually meant to change authentically and not through just like trying to flex on the gram. Right. And how do you feel like you were able to navigate that transition? Because I think sometimes just, again, as Christian women ourselves, sometimes you can feel weird about talking more about God at work or in your business. Mm -hmm. Like how how did you, I guess, how did God take you through that transition? And how was that? I think it took a lot of prayer. (laughs) Um, And I'll say this, your circle, who you keep around you is so important. Who you keep next to you is so important because I have a friend who she actually started dating this guy and he was like really heavy into his faith. So he kind of started bringing her closer to God. And through that, she would like forward me the devotionals that he would send her in the morning and we would talk about them. And she's also an entrepreneur and a business owner. And so we would both have these nights where we would brainstorm on our business. And all of a sudden these nights started turning into like prayer sessions and like sessions about talking about God and talking about the word and talking about what God wants for us. And it was so unintentional, right? Because she just started dating this guy. Then she got closer to God. Then she kind of just started bringing me closer to God. And I think that us supporting one another in our growth with God really helped because I had a friend who was going through something similar because she too is very ambitious and wants to be this like boss chick and wants to have all these things, but also wants to live a life that is meaningful and purposeful and, you know, honors God. And I think that both of us having those deeper conversations, getting into the word, sharing books, sharing prayers, sharing devotionals is really what helped push me over the edge to where I was like, listen, I don't care what anybody thinks. Like, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to talk about. You're either going to like it or you're not. I'm taking a few people with me or many people with me, but I'm, I'm led by the spirit. Wow. Love that. Yeah. I feel like you could say that again. (laughs) Um, I think for me, it's just an important reminder what you just said that whatever we do, we have to do it with conviction one, we have to have a conviction in our faith um, and stand strong and yeah. firm in our faith. But then two, um, I guess also, yeah, listening to the spirit to see what is our purpose. Because a lot of times we think we know what our purpose is, um, but it's not in line with what God's purpose for us is. So. And I will say this, like, I think that we put too much pressure on ourselves to find this like grandiose purpose. And I remember yes. I, I had a, <laughs> like, yes, 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 yes. Sorry to interrupt, but yes. No, no, no. 
<laughs> I had a mentor tell me, she's like, your purpose is to become your true authentic self. That's it. She's like, stop making it like, oh, my purpose is to be the best pilot that ever flew this plane or whatever. She's like, just stop it. You know, like that's too much pressure. Like your purpose is to live out today to its fullest and live out tomorrow to its fullest. But and that's it. Like you don't have to put all this pressure on yourself to do all these things like if you just take the first step like I promise you he'll walk with you I promise you he'll take the next step with you and things will be revealed to you that you couldn't see three years ago because you weren't the person that you needed to be yet that's so true I definitely feel like I can relate to being someone who is always I put a lot of pressure on myself to figure out this like ultimate purpose that God has for me And while there's a part of that that's good and I'm driven and I care, but there's another part of that where we just stress ourselves out um, and we just don't take things one day at a time, honestly, and do our best where we are now instead of trying to figure it all out, figure out the future. Yeah. And there's, there's somebody, I I forgot who it was, but, um, or there might be a quote that just talks about how life is, it's not a destination, you know, it's, it's a journey. And a lot of times, um, I know for me, like I'm working on different goals. Sometimes I'm, I'm scared by coming up with different goals and, um, putting pressure on myself, but I feel like I tend to have pressure on, like, I feel like I, the pressures of other people about me, I get really anxious about, if that makes any sense. You know, um, the expectations of you, of others saying, you should be this, you should be doing this, you should be here by now, you know, Um, instead of trying to figure out what does that look like for myself, you know, so. No, that's, that's real. And I think we all fall into that hole because, um, especially if you're like a first generation, like college student or college grad or whatever, like sometimes your family can see you as like, the ticket not necessarily the ticket out but like they've invested so much into you becoming who they want you to become that they forget that you have your own ambitions and your own purpose and your own things that you want to live out and we can get so caught up in living out other people's dreams for us and we have no desire to even want that true back to your business for a second can you explain what your business is like now, I know it's been through different iterations, but how would you describe what you do at My Money now? So now I focus on helping women create abundance in every area of their lives. Um, I'm still mainly focused on wealth because I do believe that, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about what the wealth gap will be in the next couple of years, what the net worth is for millennials, you know, like, with the rising student loan debt, the cost of living rising, but wages still kind of being stagnant. So I really do believe that economic empowerment is the key to really freeing a lot of women and families. So I do focus on building wealth, um, financial wealth, but I also do recognize that you, you can't just have money without having success and love and all the other things that God intended for us to have, you know, a spiritual relationship with him. So I do focus on building wealth God's way. Yes, I can relate to that. So I would love to hear more about that. In your Is your mastermind full right now? Like how can people join that? If they email me, um, we can definitely schedule a call because I am going to be, um, it's an application and an inter- interview yeah. before you actually join the mastermind, just because I want to make sure that the right women are in there. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I'm cultivating an environment for growth. And so I don't, I want to make sure that the right person people are in there so that we can empower each other. So simple email. I can get you the application. Uh, my email is hello at my I'll get you the application. And once you fill out the application, if we look it over, we think you'll be a good fit to hop on the phone with me. Then we'll get on a 30-minute phone call and discuss um, the options. So I guess looking back in your business, because you've had your your business now for how many years? Six years, yeah. 
Um, looking back now, what are some things that you feel like you wish you knew then when you first got started? I wish I knew how to properly invest in my business. Um, I think when I first got started into business financially, I made a lot of mistakes (laughs) and I still kind of beat myself up for some of those mistakes. But I think that as a new business owner, sometimes we can just desire to really want to be successful. And for me, while I think that coaching is very important, I've hired some really amazing coaches. I have also hired some really not so amazing coaches and I've invested in some not so amazing products and services and um, hiring staff and things that could have waited a little longer, um, which actually caused my business to lose more money than it was making, uh, which kind of caused me to kind of revamp things the way that they are because we wouldn't have been able to survive the way that it was Uh, so that would be one tip okay learning what to invest in the second tip is just do not quit (laughs) Mm, yeah um it this is not a cakewalk it I don't think that people really get the real on what it takes to to be in business. And I think that sometimes people make it look glamorous on social media and that's easy. Yeah. But it's like some of these people, you don't realize that um, one of, I'm a huge fan of his and her money. I don't know if you guys know who they are. They're the America's number one money couple, but um, I've, I've known them for quite a few years and I've been following them for a long time. And this is their 11th or 12th business. And a lot of people don't know that they look at them and they're like, oh, my God, you guys are so successful. And I'm like, you don't realize how many how long it took, how long it took or how many different failures they had to go through. Like I previously had a jewelry business. I had this is probably like my fifth business, too. So (laughs) and I still had failures in this business. So I think that it's all about persevering. It's all about taking the hard lessons and moving forward even when it hurts, even when you've fallen flat on your face, even when you think that like, this isn't social media worthy. It's like, keep, just keep it moving. Yeah. I think for me, that's so refreshing to hear because this is my second business. Georgette Marie's Interiors is my second business. And my first business I had uh, for five years with um, a business partner, which is a good friend of mine. Um, But after five years, we we kind of didn't have the same goals because I feel like going into a partnership is almost like a marriage. And so if, if you're not in line and don't have the same goals, it's, it's not going to work. And so we kind of grew apart um, and decided to go our separate ways. But I mean, I feel like it put less pressure on our friendship too. So now we're actually better friends that we're now that we're not business partners, we're actually better friends Um, but I just remember coming out of that business feeling like I'm such a failure. Um, this business failed. And even the fact that I defined myself as a failure just because I failed, that's a whole other story. Um, but yeah, I think it's so refreshing to hear, um, when you do hear a lot of these success stories, a lot of times you don't hear the back end, um, I mean, to hear that even you, you had multiple businesses and you you just don't hear, one, you don't hear the struggle. You just hear the good and how successful they are and how they're changing lives and they're making all this money and they're helping others, but you don't, um, you don't hear how they got there. So, and I feel like every situation is, it's a life lesson, right? You just, you learn from it and you grow and you, you do better. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's real. And it's true. Yeah. Yeah. So. So you mentioned that you recently returned to working full time in addition to running your business. So how did you decide to do that? Um, In general, kind of like we were just talking about, I love that you are very transparent about the ups and downs of business, but how did you make this pretty crucial decision? You know, I would say that, this time around, I made that decision for my family, um, mainly because, like I said, I was investing a lot into my business and I was not 
I was not showing up the way that I needed to, to make the profit that I needed to, 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 to say that. So, um, once I had my daughter and my business wasn't doing well, my husband became the sole provider. And, you know, I'm thankful that this time around I was in that situation because the last time when I didn't have work, you know, I had to kind of figure it out because it was just me. And this time I I did have my spouse who could support me. But that takes a, a large strain on a marriage, on a family. And I felt like I couldn't be creative because I was always worried about money and I didn't want to you know, stress him out about money. So I felt like if I can just release some of the financial tension, I can get back to being Mm -hmm. creative and I can get back to really listening to what it is that I should be doing and not just doing things because I feel like it's going to make me money. So I applied for a few jobs and, and this is what's so funny because me and God, we, I did a podcast episode called, um, I think it's, uh, the pain of unanswered prayers. And I did that podcast episode. <laughs> yeah, please find it. I'm like, I've did that podcast episode after I had been turned down for many jobs and y'all I'm well qualified. So I was like heartbroken because some of the jobs I was turned down for, I was like, are you kidding me? I'm qualified for this this job. They should just snatch me up. Like, do you know what you're doing? Right. So I started thinking like, oh God, you know, like maybe I'm not supposed to go back to work. Maybe I just need to do something else. And maybe I'm just running from my business. So I really was doing this like push and pull like thing where I was so confused at what, what it was that I needed to do. And I was angry with God. And I kind of talked a little bit about that or a lot about that in the podcast because we have those feelings, right? We're human, right? It's okay to be like, hey, where's what you promised me? Like, (laughs) I'm doing all this for you. And I don't feel like this is a mutual relationship. And I felt that pain when Mm. I recorded it. So um, eventually, one of the companies basically came back and begged me to take the position and offered me like, the max that they could offer me and everything. And it ended up working out. But at the time, I was just so confused. But now that I'm back to work, I really feel like there's no financial pressure at all because I have, you know, my paycheck to help support the household. And then now my business really has become a real creative outlet, but I'm still focused on producing revenue. Right. Because it's a business. It's mm-hmm. not it's not a hobby. Right. And- so oh no no no! <laughs> we we don't do hobbies over here. We 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 don't do. What do I tell people? We we don't prostitute our gifts over here. Like we we deserve to get paid for that. I love that. Yeah, we don't say that one more time for the people gifts. in the back. We do that. not prostitute our gifts. I'm gonna write that, that down. <laughs> not at all. But it does allow me to really focus on like a smaller clientele, a smaller group of women. Um still at the right price point where I'm still producing revenue, but I can actually pour in. I don't feel like this large pressure because when you're coaching and you're doing service work, you know, the last thing you want from a coach is to feel like you're a paycheck, right? Last thing. So how now, because you work full time though, how does that affect, yeah, your time now for your, because a large chunk of your time during the day is working full time. So how do you, I guess, what, um, what are some things that you, what are some daily habits that you do um, to balance your time? And you're also balancing motherhood as well. Yeah. And it's, it's a dance. It's a song and dance. Like some days are better than others, but um, I'm so thankful that we live in an age where technology is just so amazing. And there are just so many systems and so many things. When I tell you I'm not the most organized person, but it has caused me to be organized to the T because I have to put things in my schedule because I will forget them if I don't. (laughs) Um, But I've relied a lot on systems. So a lot of things like um, Dubsado, which is a a project management system, uh, my email marketing system, just things that work when I'm not working. 
Um, I did have a virtual assistant for a while and I will be getting another one. Um, but I'll probably be getting someone that's going to be more of like a business manager, not just okay. like a virtual assistant. Uh, but yeah, systems help a lot and being super duper duper organized and scheduling time for my family. Like when I'm in family time, I don't care what the business could be blowing up, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not doing it. Okay. That, that's something that I need to work on. Um, and I'm, I'm working on is just being present. So when I am, yeah, with my family, I'm giving all of my attention to my family. When I'm at work, giving all my attention to my clients, when I'm with my friends, giving all attention to them. Yeah, I think that's, that is important. It helps you to kind of separate things too, because you really begin to enjoy like being with your friends because you're not worried about like, oh my gosh, did that invoice go out? Did yes. that client pay that invoice? <laughs> I guess send this one email. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. I know my kids don't don't like it. My daughter who's eight will call me out. She's like, are you listening to me? <laughs> so yeah, that is important. So Jalisa, I know that you focus on empowering women financially do you like so this Mm -hmm. is a twofold question are there different things women should think about where their finances are concerned than men than what men should think about and the first one let me let's go with that (laughs) okay um I do focus on I focus on women mainly because I'm the product of a single family household. And when I started my business, I started my business with myself and my mom in mind. Um, So I just feel like women think about money differently, process money differently. And depending on which generation you live in, because, you know, we got all these different blends of generations, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you may money may be a sore topic for you. So for me, I always felt like people felt like I was just going to marry successful, right? I don't know that people thought I was going to be successful. And that has always been a pain that I've I've worked through. But I do feel like at a point in my life, I was waiting for Prince Charming to save me. And I was waiting to kiss my frog and he just turned into this amazing prince. And then we just go live in this mansion and have a nice car outside. And because of that, I think that I've gotten a a lot of really bad relationships, which really damaged who I was as a person. And I think that that's what draws me to help women and when I first started my business, that's why I was focused on women because I was like, I don't want any woman to feel like she has to deal with crap because of a financial situation. You know, I want women to be empowered, to have their own, to secure their own bag, to be able to, you know, bring something to the table, to have somebody to build with, you know, Um, and be able to choose a partner because that's the partner that loves you and cares for you. And, support you and not because that's the partner that has the money or can support you or whatever so I think I answered the question Um, yeah and I love hearing even just your why like the motivation behind why you have such a heart for women and their finances so thank you for sharing that yes absolutely I think that um in recent years, since now I've been married for four years, and my husband and I, we didn't combine finances probably until about, I've been pretty transparent about this, probably till about when my daughter was born two years ago. Um, so up until that point, I was still operating as like a single, in my head, yeah. like a single person. <laughs> um, so I think that over the last two years, I've recognized that like managing finances and money as a couple is a whole <laughs> completely different (laughs) ball field that you know I I, I've kind of been telling him that I feel like we should share more of this journey about how we did this together because I know we're not the only couple that like struggles with that or has struggled (laughs) with that Um, but he he has no desire to be an entrepreneur so So I guess since we have you here though what can you share about what you learned through that process like what are some of the highlights slash lowlights, if you will, about merging finances? 
well, definitely um, don't take it personal. Don't take anything personal. Um, I think that's one of the things that I just read in one of those books, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Don't take anything personal. I feel like understanding why your partner does the things that they do has absolutely nothing to do with you. And communication. So to give a little context, I I told you guys a little bit about my background. I grew up in a single family household. My mom was a teenage mother. So I feel like there are parts in our lives when we grew up together and we struggled a lot financially, a lot of ups, a lot of downs. She worked on commission. She had jobs. She didn't have job. Long story short, my husband grew up in the same household He's never lived in another house outside of the house that he's lived in is a two parent household. His both his parents have great jobs. Like we grew up complete Mm. opposites. So I see money as like security, you know, and he sees money as security, too, but very differently (laughs) because he kind of just expects security. And I just am kind of like I cling to it because I've never Mm. had it. So. I'm the type of person, like, if it's working, I'll stay there. Like I talked about my corporate career earlier, I'll stay there just even though I know that I deserve more just because I'm like, well, it's stable and I'm afraid not to be stable. So um, we had to learn that we have very different backgrounds and how to communicate that to each other. So when he would do something or say something, I would understand, like, I would have to understand he has no idea where I'm coming from. He's never grew up in a single family house. So he's never had to move. He's never walked outside and his mom had his car, her car repossessed. He's never gone through any of that. So he does not understand why I feel the way that I feel. And if I cannot communicate that to him, he's not going to understand. So I can't get mad at him, you know, because he doesn't understand me. I have to not take it personal and try to communicate how I'm feeling and why I'm feeling that way. So that took a lot of time. Yes, that's simple, but so complicated, right? And, and I think that applies to so many of our relationships because we often assume that, you know, we see the world as we are and we assume other people should as well. A, it takes, first of all, figuring out how you see money and why, kind of unpacking your relationship with money and then understanding his relationship with money so that you you can get where the conflict is coming from or where the, the lack of empathy even at times because you don't understand where the other person is coming from so yes that, but that's important work thanks for sharing that and i'm sure it's an ongoing journey because again the personal and very different than the way he does Absolutely. It's an ongoing journey, but I think that you just have to, like I said, make sure that you open the lines of communication and that you don't, you don't take it personally. You try to really understand where the other person's coming from. And one thing that um, I used to follow Grant Cardone very heavily. And one thing that him and his wife did every week was they had a money meeting where they would talk about money and they would spend most a small amount of the time talking about where they are, but majority of the time talking about where they want to be and how to get there. And so we implemented that and we were doing our weekly money meetings. We need to really get back to that, but <laughs> um, that really, really helped us. So any couples that need that definitely implement a, a, a weekly, weekly money meeting. How do you put the pressure off of, because um, money, especially talking about it with talking about money with a spouse, which you can't avoid. It's important. But how do you make that comfortable? Like, because I, 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 it makes me so uncomfortable talking about money. Um, I mean, unless I'm talking to a client for some reason, when I'm talking to clients about money, I have no problem. Um, But talking about money to um, anybody else can sometimes feel so uncomfortable so how do you do you have any suggestions for yeah I guess being comfortable talking about money yeah absolutely I think that first of all it needs to be a no judgment zone um and it's okay to 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 have emotions and to get upset about certain things but I think that we just need to have be a little bit more empathetic to 
whoever we're talking to, a spouse, a parent. I mean, some of these some of these conversations are things that we need to start having with our aging parents, you know, so that we're prepared for what could potentially take place should something actually happen. And I think that that's an even more uncomfortable money conversation. Um, but it has to be a no judgment zone. And then it really just takes practice, right? So like in the beginning, our money meetings were really awkward and n- not the best. But I think as we got more comfortable with them, as we did them more often, as we really begin to truly understand each other, it's like nothing now. Like we'll talk about money all day, any day, every day. And it's <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like we're talking about what we had for breakfast. I love that. Hashtag goals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess what are there any finance? Um, are there any suggestions or advice that you would give to anyone that wants to go into business? Like, is there anything that they should be thinking about financially? And I know every business is different. They're a service-based business and they're a product-based business. You're a service-based business. So maybe you could talk about it, I guess, from your, um, from your perspective, but what are some things that people should be thinking about financially? I think that people should always think about, um, let's see, that's actually a really good question. <laughs> I think that when, when starting a business, I think that. Like, I love how you shared in the beginning, um, you went into business, um, you, you went into business and a lot of service-based business. I can only talk from like I'm a service-based business. I didn't have to put a lot of money up front in my business, right? Versus if I was opening up a retail shop or if I was opening up a, you know, a manufacturing facility, I would probably need a lot of either investors or um, either a lot of savings. So I know every business is different, but there are still some, I guess, financials that people should be thinking about, like whether you know, to have like a six month or 12 month plan of savings because you're not necessarily guaranteed an income. It takes a lot of time. Sometimes it takes like 12 months just to make money from your business. Um, Yeah. Can you talk maybe some, so people aren't going into like business blindfolded. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely say that. Yeah. I'll definitely say this. I don't think people, I think people quit their jobs Mm. too early. I think there was like a a big hype of like, hurry up, quit your job. Yeah, girl. And then I would, I would meet people, have clients that like quit their job. And I'm like, girl, you were not, you were not quite ready yet. I definitely think you, your business needs a proper revenue model where your profit margin, uh, margin is high. So one of the mistakes I made in business is that, I was producing revenue, but I, and a lot of people talk about how much money they make, right? They're talking about what they actually grossed, but then they don't account for all of the expenses, all the things that they had to pay for, maybe coaches, maybe systems, maybe venues, maybe products, whatever Mm -hmm. it is that you have. And I think that not properly looking at the numbers gets a lot of entrepreneurs stuck because a lot of entrepreneurs are creative and I feel like it's a lie. (laughs) Yes. Hi creatives. I'm, I'm a creative person too, but I feel like we've kind of told ourselves a lie. This sometimes our entire life that we're not good with money or that creative people are not good with money or they can't listen. You don't have to be good with money. First of all, it's a lie. It's not yes, true. Everybody, everybody can count. Can count. <laughs> right. And if not, if not, there's a calculator. <laughs> right. There's a calculator on your iPhone, on your Android. <laughs> so either way, you can figure out how um, to count I or think, how to get something to count for you. Great point. <laughs> exactly. And so I think because of that, we hide from the numbers. Like we're like, oh, I'm making all this money. This is great. But we don't look at our numbers. Mm-hmm. Like really look at our numbers. Um So I think that we need to take away that shame, take away that fear and take away that blatant lie that we've told ourselves that we're not good with money (laughs) or numbers. Right. Especially like you said, with technology, I mean, 
um, it makes it so easy. Like bookkeeping, like something as simple as bookkeeping. I know for me, when I actually look at my numbers on paper, it's like a reality check. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, you know, because sometimes you can feel so busy, like, oh, I'm, I'm doing well, I'm doing well. But mm, no, like that free hour that you just gave someone or that, you know, <laughs> that quick advice that you gave someone right, or right. that free product that you gave someone, when you actually see how much it's costing you on paper, it makes a big difference. So, yeah. I think, yeah, technology has make in, in tools, like you said, and applying systems. So important. And I always tell people this, even if you're going to hire somebody, because a lot of people have the idea like, oh, when I get a lot of money, I'm just going to hire somebody to handle it. Um, and we know how that has worked out for a lot of people. Not so well. So <laughs> um, I just want to remind people that like nobody cares about your money like you care about your money so you always need to have a hand in it and you and if you don't have an accountant or a c if you're going to hire somebody you don't have an accountant you don't have a cpa you don't have a financial planner that can explain things to you that you can actually understand it fire that person and get another yeah, one yeah that no that's yeah that's important that is a good point yeah cuz there's no point in the, in you paying them if they're not actually helping you get a grasp on your finance. Like if they're not helping you understand and not helping you grow, then what's the point of them? It's true. But, um, you know, there's a, there's a, a large, large portion of people who really feel like they're the expert. I'm letting them be in their expertise. Um, I'm letting them, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of people who, who just choose not to be active managers in their money. Even when they hire other people, they just, they're too trusting of accountants. They're too trusting of, not that you shouldn't trust them, but I'm just saying like, always know your numbers, always know where you stand. Even if you, you know, understand that you can double check your account and you can ask your financial advisor questions if you do not understand something and if they cannot explain it to you. And I know this because I work in financial services industry and I know that that it's kind of changing. The market is changing a lot now, but back in the, uh, not back in the day, because I don't act like I'm like <laughs> way back when, <laughs> but even quite a few years ago, it was very it was a well-known tactic for financial advisors to use big lingo and big words and all these things to try to confuse you so that you, you realize, Oh my God, I really need this person and you hire them. So um, that, and that's a common tactic. I mean, even I got into it not too long ago with a friend of mine who's a financial advisor when we were discussing the FIRE movement. I don't know if you guys heard about the FIRE movement, which is financial independence, retire early. And it's like this big group of people who are all amassing a large amount of wealth in like five to 10 years and um, retiring at, you know, 30, 40, 25. So um, he was telling me, oh, fire can't exist because they have to know this. And he's using all these, I work in finance. He's using all these calculations and, and all this stuff that doesn't matter. And I'm looking at him like, none of that matters. Like you're just using big words to try to confuse me. And I work in finance. So yeah, no, I, (laughs) yeah. Don't let anybody do that to you. You're the one at the end of the day, you're the one that's paying for their services. So, and it's your money. So yes. We need to know what's going exactly. on. That's a good point. That's a great point, actually. Because I think so often we allow ourselves to get intimidated and think, oh, you know what? A, I'm stupid that I don't know this. Or to your point, I must really need them. But even if you don't know anything about your finances, they should be able to explain it in a way that you're tracking and you're following. And if not, they're not the right person for you. So thanks for that. But I guess um, as we're wrapping up, one final question. What are some things that you would advise our listeners to think about where their finances are concerned or to set as goals going into a new decade? This isn't mine. I got this from Tony Robbins, but he says that we overestimate what we can do in a year and we underestimate what we can do in five or 10 years. 
And so I think that this year is a unique opportunity because we are moving into a new decade that I really want people to think less about just this one year and more about the next five to 10 years. Because I think that when it comes to your finances and and actually building long-term wealth, the difference between those who do and those who don't is something that's called time perspective. And time perspective means that when you take a decision into account, a financial decision specifically, you are thinking about long-term. So when a true investor goes to make an investment, they're not thinking about what's this investment going to make me next month or what's this investment going to make me the next six months. They're thinking, what is this investment going to make me in the next 20 years or five years or 10 years? And I think that we really need to adopt that mindset because there is no such thing as get rich quick. There is get rich slowly and get rich right. So if we can take into perspective, what steps can we take this year that will change the next decade, that will change the next five years, whether that be, you know, starting a business or thinking about how you're going to scale your business or investing in real estate or putting money in the stock market or whatever it might be, even with the, the pending discussions about a possible recession coming up. It's like if you're focused on the next year with that recession, you you might miss that there's going to be an opportunity to recover after that possible recession in 10 years. So, um, yeah, that's what I want people to take into account. So where can people find your masterclass, your courses? Where can people find you, reach out to you? Well, I'm all over the internet at Jaleesa Ann. That's J-A-L-E-S-A-A-N-N. On Instagram, My Money Mogul. The website is also My Money Mogul. Um, And then the podcast is Secrets of a Money Mogul. So any of those places typically have all the links to all of my social media and all of... um, the masterclass links. So, okay. Yes. Okay. And we'll have that in our show notes as well. Yes, we will. Yes. Thank you so much. Definitely looking forward to seeing how you empower us all going forward. So thank you for taking the time out. Yes. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoy talking to you. So thanks for having me. So who would you like to take out for coffee or tea, Sabine? So I would take out Douglas Jacoby. And who is Douglas um, I've been reading his book. So he is a Bible teacher, a mm-hmm. professor, and I and an author. So I've been reading his book, Bible Questions um, Answered. And I've had it for a while. And it's always one of those books that I always use as a reference guide. But because now I'm reading the Bible in chronological order, um, or, you know, from beginning to end, um, I just have so many questions. And so I feel like not only can I use that book as a reference, but I've been using it in my daily Bible study, like my time with God. And I feel like it's helped me so much. So many just questions that I sometimes feel like I don't get clarity from just reading the word. Um, I feel like he just gives simplified answers um, to, you know, some, some common some common, maybe common questions that you maybe wouldn't want to ask out loud that he just like answered. So I love that. Um, so thank you to Douglas Jacoby for that book. Um, it's really helped me. So I would take him out for coffee. Okay. I have a feeling that he would. He's a coffee drinker. Like coffee. He so is married would, to a British woman. So I don't know. Really? Uh, hmm. So who knows? I mean, <laughs> what would be his choice? I would be drinking coffee. <laughs> so we'd be at a coffee shop drinking coffee or tea with our Bibles. Yes. He's and an I amazing would, author. And I would have a notebook. Yeah. you would yeah. Need, Or a tape recorder is probably easier. Or a tape recorder. Also right. a fast talker. Um, but yes, I love that. What about yourself? So I'm totally going in a different direction. I recently saw Tina the Musical. On Broadway, and Adrian nice. Warren, the woman who plays Tina, is nominated for a Tony, and she is just amazing. Like you literally forget that Tina Turner is not, you know, in her forties and on the stage. 
she was amazing. So she plays Tina pretty much her whole life. Like that's there was not a little a, Tina. That's not an easy role to play. Either. No, that was the other thing. So we were her whole body is goals like like inner thigh definition. I'm like, is that even a thing? But she has it. So definitely that's also inspired me to keep my keep up my fitness. But it's just yeah. it was amazing to see her portray Tina so well. I mean, Tina has such a powerful story that's been told in many different ways. But see the musical, see Adrian, and go to the gym while you're at it. Why not? <laughs> right. Because <laughs> we all need to be chiseled. So, okay. So you would take her out for? Whatever she drinks. So okay. knowing her, I mean, she's a performer, so it's probably something caffeine-free. But who knows? I totally made that up. <laughs> but yeah, whatever she, whatever Adrian wants, Adrian gets. That's awesome. Um, okay. Well, thank you, listeners, for joining us on another episode of Coffee and Tea with SNL. You can find us where you find all of your podcasts. Spotify, Apple, Google, all of the places, iHeartRadio, like really all of the places. Everywhere. Share, subscribe. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Sabine and Lisa. And you can catch us online as well. Yes. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.